Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. It reads this, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. Verse 3, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. Now look at the next phrase. And upholding all things by the word of his power. Notice this. He talked about that all things were made through Jesus. And then it goes on and it says that he is upholding all things. Look at the phrase. He is upholding all things. All things that you have received from God must be upheld. Not to keep it, uh, not upheld away from God, but upheld away from the enemy. We cannot allow our faith to sink into casualness. We must uphold the stalwartness of our faith. We must uphold the boldness of our faith, the activity of our faith, the expression of our faith. So no, don't just, don't just wait until you begin losing something before you pay attention to it. Uh, in pastoring, I've had, you know, different, different families have faced different things at different times in their lives. And I've had people come to me uh, at different times and say, well, um, you know, I'm getting ready to lose this. I'm getting ready to lose that, whether it's a house, whether it's a job, whether it's a business. I mean, they are like days away from being having lost all this. And I would say to them, can I ask you this? How long did you know that this was going in the negative direction for you? Well, several months. And I said, well, why are you waiting till two days before the eviction notice, so to speak, before you contact me? Because what is that? Well, they're wanting to they're wanting to do things on their own. But I tell you what, God does not want you to wait until it's almost lost before he starts helping you. Amen. Amen. I would say when you start seeing something, the first bend in the negative direction, I said that would be the time to come to your pastor and let's agree together or let me encourage you or let me give you some instruction because we need to notice when things start in the downward bend. Let's not wait until they're almost to the bottom. Amen. Because it's easier to turn things around before they hit bottom. Haven't you ever seen something if it's falling? You know, have you ever have you ever gone like this and you're holding something and all of a sudden it slips out of your hands and you catch it right up here? How many of you know it's difficult to catch it when it's a quarter of an inch from the floor? Right? I mean, just naturally speaking. You sometimes you can go to drop something and you you caught it right before it left your grasp. You don't want things to leave your grasp before you start trying to regrasp it with your faith. So let's not just be about laying hold of things. Let's be about upholding things. I remember I said something to God one time um, because in administrating, I said, God, because I'm a projects oriented person. I like starting something. I like organizing it. 
but then I want to pass it off, which is right. As administrator, you pass it off and you have staff that handles it. And I said to God, I said, I like the starting up, but I don't like the maintaining. And he said, then you don't like faith because faith is a maintainer. And he corrected my mentality that all I want to do is start something. That he taught me that faith is not just somebody who gets their home. Faith is someone who maintains their home. Faith is not just about getting the new car. They take care of the car. Faith is not just about starting a relationship. Faith maintains that relationship and tends to that relationship. So don't decide you only like certain aspects of faith. Amen. Because real faith is not just interested in getting hold of stuff. Real faith upholds things. And God took me back to this scripture and he was correcting my thinking that faith is not just about getting something new. Doesn't the flesh like getting something new? The flesh likes the honeymoon part of that new house. They like the honeymoon part of that new car when the car still smells new. But, you know, faith is the type that on Friday night, it likes cleaning out the junk out of it, too, so that it looks like it did when you first laid hold of it. Amen. The faith life is not just one who lays hold of something. Faith upholds all things. So look through your life and seeing, say what needs to be upheld. That means how about this? Let's get practical about it. How about this? That means that. Um. The condition of your home is not dilapidating. Yes. That means the engine of your car is getting proper attention. You're not running it down to where it's got no oil left in it hardly. You know what I'm saying? Why? These are faith issues. And these are things that we practice on the natural. Because if we're not skillful at it with the natural, how will we be skillful at it with the spiritual things, the unseen realm? I mean, when things start... When things start looking bad naturally and we don't care, what's that tell us about the spiritual that we don't see? Amen. I don't know. I only got a few loud ameners right up at the front, but the rest of you need to realize it's about a maturity of faith. The maturity of faith is wanting to, it's wanting to maintain all of what God has blessed it with. Amen. Jesus paid a price for you to have it. But can I tell you this? That price paid for you to maintain it too. To to not have and not lay hold of what he purchased is a dishonor on our part. But to not maintain it is also a dishonor. And we need to look at it that way and not give ourselves a pass. Because we're faith people. (laughs) If we're faith people, every aspect of the having shows our faith, not just the receiving of it, but the maintaining of it until God, until we pass something off. What if God, what if God gave you something? What if he gave you, let's say a vehicle and you had it for five years and he wanted you to give it to somebody else and bless it. What kind of condition would it be? And because it was in your care, would he even be able to give, have it to be passed off or would it have to go to the, you know, just to the junkyard? Come on. Faith is an upholder. That's what I want you to see. Faith has a standard to it. Faith is not just collecting and getting and heaping up things. Faith will maintain what you've received from God. 
Amen. And it's important that these things be addressed because we've all been raised in different systems of our homes. Sometimes your parents really emphasize taking care of your things. But sometimes people were raised in a home where there was poverty. And can I tell you something about poverty? Poverty doesn't take care of things normally. I have I have been in some of these third world countries and I guarantee you it's not a money issue. It is an honor issue. They don't know how to take care of what they do possess. And if you gave them more, they wouldn't take care of it. It would end up falling apart because you gave it to them. It's not. How do I say it? Excellence breeds more. When you're excellent, more, you're a magnet for more. When you don't have, and people think, well, if I had more, I would be excellent. That's not true. That's not true. Put excellence in place first and more will come because excellence draws increase. Amen. Amen. So I say this, it's not about getting more. It's about us making sure we have excellence in our faith, excellence in our upholding and maintaining what God has blessed us with. Because when God sees us excellent, he knows that we're ready for more. Haven't you ever walked into your kid's room and they've asked for something, maybe a new game, a new game system, and you see their old one on the floor and you see that, you know, they, that parts of it are broken and they're just stepping on stuff or part of it's under the bed. And you go, if you can't take care of what, come on, what's the finish of that statement? If you can't take care of what you already have, why would I buy you something more? Parents, see y'all all, y'all all, 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 you're all up on that, right? What if God said the same thing to you? If you're not taking care of what you already have, what makes you capable of receiving more? Can I tell you, none of what I'm saying right now is in my notes for the last 10 minutes. Not none of that's in my notes. What does that mean? That God is helping us on the spur of the moment right where we're at. You ever heard of a preacher named Fred Price? Okay. This precious man. He, uh, of course, uh, has brought so much to the body of Christ in the way of teaching on faith. Had a, had a, maybe does still, I don't, I'm I'm not, you know, current with so many other ministers because you get so busy doing your own. So I'm assuming there's the Crenshaw Faith Center still there. And, uh, but years and years ago, um, they ran into, because they had a time, they, of course, were on television. They may still be, I don't know. Um, but th- being on television, you can have some large tele- television bills. And you can get those numbers accumulated really, really quick. <clears throat> and so uh, they had always had quite an ample supply. Once they came on television, God had always been so faithful in taking care of them. All the equipment that they needed, all the funds that they needed. There came a period of time that uh, all of a sudden, like overnight, things started drying up financially. They didn't have the equipment they needed. They didn't have the funds they needed. They were really struggling. And the person, from what I understand, was a family member who was administrating. And they were walking down the hallway in their office building one day. And uh, the Spirit of God said, go into this room. And when they opened the door in the room... They saw all this uh, camera equipment and television equipment just thrown into the room. 
it was not stored properly because if you're going to store something, it has to be stored properly, right? Or it yeah. gets broken. Yeah. <clears throat> and they had this big storage room of stuff just thrown in there and not taken care of. And God said, until you can take care of what I've already given you, there will be no more coming. What was he teaching them? He was training them until you get take until you uphold that which you already have. Why would I give you more? See, if 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 we didn't take care of things that we had with our faith and then we're wanting more, God's teaching us bad bad practices. God is not going to condone bad practices. And so I tell you, your faith is not just for getting the new thing you need. Your faith is also for upholding what God has already blessed us with. Amen. Amen. Don't treat it lightly. You don't with your children. God doesn't with his children. So let's not just look around at natural things. What about even some unseen things? Maybe, maybe we were better at being patient. And all of a sudden, we're not as patient as we used to be. Maybe we were good at not worrying last year. But all of a sudden, with the COVID thing, people are worrying. Uphold what you've received. Come on. Amen. This goes for everything. So can I give you a homework assignment? Go home. Make a list of what has been diminishing. Make a list of what might be slipping. And uh, get your faith back on it. Amen. Amen. Not because it needs to be received because you already possibly it's something you have. It's just something that needs to be undergirded, supported, because faith is not just about getting it. Faith is about taking care of it once you get it. Amen. Amen. Put that demand. And can I tell you what that's called? Excellence. I am so always stirred when I read anything about Solomon and his excellence. The queen of Sheba, you'll remember she came a great distance. How many old queens don't travel alone? They travel with a huge entourage. All of her treasures, all because everything she has is a treasure. There's nothing cheap, right? She doesn't have any cheap clothes. She doesn't have the cheap jewelry. Everything she owns is of great value. So anytime you are carrying your safe, (laughs) your safe is not a metal box, an iron box. Your safe is is an army, troops that travel with you. So she wanted to hear and see all this that I've heard about this, this king named Solomon. Is it true? So she travels to where he's at. So that means she's bringing a huge entourage, her own private army. You got your own private army. You're traveling for days. You know what you got to have? You got to feed these people. So you got to bring all the store of food. You got to bring a traveling kitchen. You got, it's a huge endeavor, but this is how hungry she was to find wisdom. She was hungry to listen to wisdom and it cost her a great amount. But she was willing to pay the amount to listen to wisdom. And you understand that she's used to the best in life, right? She's used to the best residences, the best clothing, the best food, the best attendance. She's used to the best. She gets to where Solomon is. And the first time she saw his approach into the uh, holy place to where he would go to worship when she saw how he approached 
uh, a royal gathering. She saw how the cupbearers were dressed. She saw the attendants and their excellence in attending. It says that her breath went out of her. Now that's a lot because she's used to seeing a lot of excellence. But she saw a whole nother level of degree. We want that when the devil looks at our stuff, his breath goes out of him. That he goes, there is no access to them. They are operating at such excellence. And the Bible says about Solomon that when she saw all of his excellence, can I tell you, uh, how did his, her, how did his excellence come into view? It was his wisdom. When she saw excellence, she saw his wisdom. I want you to know we need to be able to show the wisdom of our faith. Amen. That it's not just about us getting more stuff so that our life can be better. It's about upholding so that we can be an example of not just getting stuff, but so others can look and say, I want what they have. Amen. As I said, none of this is written down, hot off the press, prescribed specifically for us this morning, right? Why? Because we're coming into a last day era. We're coming into a last day revival. It's not just about uh, us praying for things to come. What about praying for revival, praying for souls? What about properly maintaining these things received in the, in the revival? It's not a, just about getting it. It's about upholding. Amen. Amen. We have a local church that it's our job to uphold. God's blessed us with this place, but it's our job to uphold it. It's not just up to the preacher or to the pastor. It's up to the whole family. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, So now go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. How about that? (laughs) So I say this, when you see something seems to be start diminishing or declining. Pay attention. Don't just go, oh, well, it's not painful yet. (laughs) In the sense of too many times we start paying attention when it seems to be very obvious and we seem to start suffering lack. Let's not wait until it reaches that point before we get our faith back on something. Now, many don't realize it because Dad Hagen, of course, taught us about receiving Mark eleven twenty four, Mark eleven twenty three and twenty four are two verses that teach us how to receive. They both teach us how to receive two different ways. Verse twenty three teaches us how to receive through saying. Verse twenty four teaches us how to receive through praying. And uh, so they're both receiving verses. Don't they end up with the and ye shall have? That's how they both end up because these verses are about receiving something. So Dad Hagen taught us about receiving something. But many people don't realize it, that all the heart symptoms came back on Dad not long after he was raised up off of his deathbed. He said that he got to the point to where he said, I was almost completely bedridden again. And he said, I began talking to the Lord and realizing what did I do when I was raised up that I'm not doing now? And he said he would be in town and people, of course, knew all about his condition. And you can imagine in a smaller community, those of you who are raised in a small town, you know how info flies. It travels really quickly. 
And so everyone knew about his condition and that now they were seeing him up and around town. But he still, you know, when he was raised up off of his deathbed, was he was 87 pounds and that weight didn't come back on him overnight. And his clothes just hung on him. He said he looked like a walking corpse because he's over six feet tall, weighing eight, 87 pounds. So people, when they would see him, how many of you know they're not asking him or talking to him on the basis of faith? Yeah, right? Yeah. They're asking him, how do you feel, Ken? And he said, well, they, said, they, say, they would say to him, you look like you can't put one foot in front of the other. And he would say, I, can't, I feel like it too. And so because they were asking him so much how he felt, he was telling them so much how he felt. And he said it wasn't just a short amount of time. And he says, I'm almost completely bedridden again. And so he said, you know, you can imagine. I mean, he's what, uh, 17 years old at this time? He's not been taught what we've been taught. He doesn't know where the open door is. And so he began considering what did I do when I was raised up off the deathbed that I'm not doing now? Yeah. Well, that's a good question to ask because a lot of people yes. don't even know to ask that. Yeah. And it dawned on him that he, uh, he was firm that when he said to God the day he was raised up, I believe I receive. Yeah. And he was firm that he wasn't going to put a, his hand up at his heart and check it like he normally did. He wasn't going to consider or talk about the way his body felt. And so he realized, I, it seems like to me I'm missing it in one place that I know of is that when people start asking me something about my body, I tell them how I feel. And he said, maybe it's this. He said, in my heart, I believe I'm healed. But with my mouth, I've been talking what I feel. And so he said, maybe it's this. And so what did he do is he said, I realized I started mastering my confession. Now notice that phrase. I started mastering my confession. What did he mean? He wasn't going to talk two confessions. He was going to talk one. He was going to talk not just the right confession to himself, but he was going to talk the right confession to inquirers. That when people inquired about his health, he was going to have one confession, yeah. not two. Yeah. How do you uphold all things? One confession, yeah. not two. Yeah. One confession, not two. And it is so easy to slip into two. Because in your heart, you really believe the right thing. But the feelings like telling somebody. Isn't that right? Dad Hagen years ago made this statement talking about when somebody misses it and somebody sins, he says, people love telling it. He made this statement, the flesh likes telling it. So now you know whether you're being dominated by the flesh, whether you're covering someone's sin or telling someone's sin. Because the flesh likes telling it. When somebody asks you how you're feeling, the flesh likes telling it. When somebody asks how you're doing financially, the flesh likes telling it. But faith likes one confession. Amen. So we need to double check ourselves. Are we mastering our confession? And our confession is to be one, not two. We can't let our flesh do the talking when we're trying to uphold what our heart has received. 
Amen. It's important. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21 says this, prove all things. Hold fast that which is good. The term hold fast, we don't really say that in English terms today, right? No. You know, you don't greet someone and say, are you holding fast? <laughs> Especially if they're an unsafe, they're going to look at you and say, are you weird? <laughs> no, that term is not something we, need, we normally use, but the term hold fast really means this, hold hard. Put a hard, firm grip on something and don't let go of it. So we could put it this way, prove all things. Hold with a firm grip that which is good. Couldn't we put it that way? What about this? What about two toddlers? One toy. (laughs) Two toddlers, one toy. One has it, the other one wants it. Right now I have a... I've got my dog, my, well, I've still, I've still, I've got three dogs. Two live at the castle, really roughing it up there. And then Dandy, who is my standard poodle. And um, right now, Morgan, because she's on the road, I'm keeping her standard poodle, Prudence. And so the two of them are at the house, and they're worse than children. I have a basket of toys, and they pull those toys out, and they've got them scattered all over the house. One has a toy, and they can have 10 other toys around. They will drop their toy to go get that one that the other one has, and it's a constant tug of war. They're not interested in finding their own toy. They want the one that's moving. If someone's got one in their mouth and moving, that's the one that I, they had to have. So it, the, the others that are stationary go completely ignored, right? The devil's the same way. What's moving in your life, he wants it. He can see whether it's stationary, whether you're interested in it or not. If it's moving, he wants it away from you. And so these dogs go on a constant tug of war all day long to get the toy that the other one has. Well, just know this. That's what the devil does to your life. When you lay hold of something, his job is get it out of your hand. Get it out of your hand, your hand of faith. So what does he try to do? He tries to get you to let go of it. That's why it says hold hard. Hold hard to that which is good. Anything that comes from God is good. Anything that comes from God is good. Everything that we come, that we get hold of, we're going to have to hold hard to. Amen. So Dad Hagen talked about after he had learned to only have one confession. He said it wasn't just a and all those symptoms started leaving. There was the turnaround. Why? Because he said, I plugged the hole in the tub to where the water wasn't leaking out. My answer wasn't leaking out. It wasn't leaking out anymore because I plugged the hole of having two confessions. That's what holding fast involves. One confession. You can't say you can't say something to a person and say another thing in your faith confession. Know this, all your words are faith confessions. Not just the ones you direct toward God, but all your words are to be your faith confession. Okay? Where is the devil going to work to get it out of your grasp first is your mouth. 
Remember what Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of what? Your mouth. That's the first place that you have to pay attention to. If you're receiving something from God, it's because of your mouth. If you're losing something that God gave you, it's because of your mouth. Praise the Lord. Now, as faith people, let me tell you about us. Okay? We've learned that. So you know what we do? We watch our mouth. But we use our mouth to ourselves. We don't say it out loud, but we think it. You know, and it's not just enough to say the right words. You have to think the right words. Because you're thinking the right words is your confession to yourself. You understand that? What's, what's James call it? Don't let a double-minded man think he's going to receive anything from the Lord. A double-minded man is someone who says the right thing to those that are around that know the faith talk. But to yourself, you lay in bed and say, I don't know where I'm going to get the money. I'm worried. I don't know what I'm going to do about my business. See, you're saying something to yourself. And that matters more than what you're saying to other people. Because what you're saying to yourself eventually is going to show up in what you say to other people. So catch things when they're at the thought level. Notice this, to hold fast means you have to pay attention to your thought life. Because your confession really it shows up in your mouth, but it begins in your thoughts. Yes. Praise the Lord. Then Dad Hagen talked about, I love, I love, love, love the testimonies when he talks about how he went back to school. The doctor that had been tending to him said, um, that boy has the strongest willpower of any, any person I've ever seen in my life. He said, Dad Hagen said, the doctor thought I was up by willpower. He said, I wasn't up by willpower. I was up by faith. Yes. But he said, but see, the world doesn't know anything about that. They call those things willpower. And so several of Brother Hagen's teachers at school were concerned about him because he had to walk to school. You can imagine he's just up off his deathbed. He's walking to school. And that's hard on his heart hard on his strength. And uh, then he's got to climb steps to different classrooms in the school building. And he said he would be sitting in class. Now see, there were times on his deathbed, of course, he had the heart, con- the, the incurable heart condition. He had a blood, he had a blood condition. He says, I believe it was leukemia, although it was under undiagnosed at the time. Then also, uh, of course he was paralyzed His lower half of his body was paralyzed and at times the upper half. And then also there were times he went blind. When he was raised up off his deathbed and went to school, he said, I would be sitting in class and go blind again. While I'm sitting in class, he says, I'd go blind. Now think of this. What's that? Looks like things are coming back. Looks like a time that you could be frightened. And he says, I would just hold fast. I was learning to master my confession. And he says, one day, the principal called me in. And the principal was called, his last name was Smart. Isn't that, wouldn't all the kids be making fun of him? Mr. Smart. 
is the school principal. Well, it's better than Mr. Stupid, but his name was Mr. Smart. And the principal called him into the office one day and said to him, he said, uh, Ken, do you think you ought to be coming to class? And he said, yes, sir, I do. And he says, well, I'll tell you, Ken. He said, the reason I'm asking is because the, your teachers, several of your teachers have contacted the doctor. And they said they're concerned because in class you don't look well. And they're concerned you're going to fall dead in their classroom. Now, see, they weren't concerned that he was sick. They're concerned they're going to be left with a corpse. Yeah. Now, can you imagine you're believing God for every breath you're taking, and this is what somebody's telling you? That's not putting anything into you, is it? They're again repeating what the doctor said. And the doctor told these school teachers of his, it said, he'll be dead within 90 days, I guarantee it. And this is what Mr. Smart told him, that the doctor said, Ken, you'd be dead in 90 days. Well, think of it. He can count the days that he's been raised up off his deathbed and he knows he's on the countdown. What's the devil trying to do? He's trying to keep him from upholding what he's received. I want you to know, faith doesn't just know how to receive. Faith knows how to uphold. And until we're upholding, we don't know what we think we know about faith just because we received. Because I guarantee you, it only takes a moment to receive it. It takes a lifetime to uphold it. And that's where your faith is built. That's where your faith becomes stalwart. And this is what John G. Lake made the statement about. He said, I think many times our instant healings are a curse to us. Because in the instant healings, people never learned how to hold fast to the word until their manifestation showed up. So what's most valuable? You don't just want to be someone who knows how to receive. You want to be somebody who knows how to hold on. Not just barely hold on, but firmly hold on. With full force. Full grasp. Losing nothing of what God has blessed you with. Amen. Now this is mature faith. Baby faith can receive. But mature faith holds on. Amen. Now, you understand? Because we've seen baby Christians that can receive some things. But when you see faith maturing is when you see them holding on to something. Let me ask you this, parents. Have you ever moved into a new apartment, a new home? And uh, your kids got new stuff in their room? That room looked nice for a week. But after a month, it looks like the old place you just yeah. moved out of. You, what do you know? Someone of immaturity lives here because of the way they keep their stuff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We don't want him to look at us and say their faith is immature. Yeah. We want to have a maturity Amen. of faith. Amen. Amen. If we're going to call ourselves faith people, yes. let's be all faith. Not just receiving faith, but upholding faith. That's where the difference from the men and the boys is seen. Amen. That's the, the adults from the babies are seen is in the upholding. And that you don't lose your joy in the upholding process. Praise the Lord. So here, Dad Hagen is in Mr. Smart's office. And God, and 
He's trying with God. He's endeavoring to grow in his understanding. He doesn't have the teaching that we're getting this morning. He doesn't know. He hasn't ever heard it articulated. He's just, if I could say this, feeling his way through this life of faith with the help of the Holy Ghost. But it's easier to learn these things through a person standing in front of you. Now, don't misunderstand me. I can say it all day, but if you don't listen to your spirit, your heart will never grab it. You need the Holy Ghost for your heart to grab it. And so anyway, so, uh, oh, I like, I, I feel like, you know what I feel like? Yeah. <laughs> Remember those pictures of John Wesley standing on his daddy's grave? That's what I feel like sitting up in on Jesus. Those outdoor scenes. Have you ever seen pictures or etchings that they would do of those outdoor revival scenes? Oh, we're in that right now. Okay. <laughs> and so he's in Mr. Smart's office and the doctor had told him, yes, he'll be dead within 90 days. I guarantee it. So Mr. Smart says, Ken, he says, I tell you what, if you don't feel like coming to class, don't come. If you feel like you're in the middle of a class and you feel like you need a drink of water, just get up and go get a drink of water. He said, the rules that, that apply to everyone else don't apply to you. And I'm just telling you, you can get up anytime you want. You can leave. You can go get a drink of water if you need to go to the restroom anytime you want. And he said, Mr. Smart, he says, I can't do that. I can't do that anytime I want. Because he says, I'm not up by willpower. I'm up by faith. And my faith, listen to what the next thing he said, my faith will hold. My faith will hold. My faith will hold. My faith will hold. My faith doesn't let go. My faith doesn't relax. My faith isn't looking for something easy. My faith will hold. Amen. Amen. So he said, when I said that, he said, tears started running down Mr. Smart's face. You can imagine what that would mean to hear a kid saying those things. And he's standing there looking like a skeleton, clothes hanging on him. Everything tells you he should have been dead. And he's standing there and says, I'm not up by willpower. I'm up by faith and my faith will hold. How many of you know, if you're still here today, believing God more than yesterday, your faith is holding. You're holding. And the devil will say, if you haven't received full manifestation, your faith's not holding. He's a liar. Don't let him define faith. Don't let him define faith. Your faith is a holder. It holds, 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 holds. It's. Everything might not be perfect, but if you're still holding, your faith is, is, is maturing. Your faith is growing. Your faith is strong. Your faith is stalwart in the holding. Amen. The holding pleases God, not just the manifestation. Don't get into this trap that the only thing that pleases God is the manifestation. Stand in your ground, holding on pleases God. Because these are all flows of a faith that comes from God's own faith. He's upholding all things. That's what he's doing. He has a faith that holds. He has a faith that holds. So he said, Mr. Smart, I'm not up by willpower. I'm up by faith and my faith will hold. 
And he said that man started weeping right there. He said he was part of the Baptist church. And he said, Ken, he said, you know something about faith I don't know. But he says, I guarantee you this. I'll never put another stumbling block in your way. If you want to come on, you come on. Because the teachers are trying to get them to tell him, stay home. You cannot be in class because they're afraid he's going to die. And he was basically telling them, I'm not working for the teachers. I'm working for you. And so he said, you come on. And from then on, you know, he had to keep walking out with that holding faith, his victory. And I guarantee you, don't just get locked down on the idea of manifestation. Yes, the manifestation belongs to you. It will come. But have joy in the holding. Have joy in the standing. Amen. Know that faith is working while you're standing. And that is flow. That is that is full faith. Full faith stands. Full faith doesn't quit standing. Full faith holds. Full faith doesn't quit holding. Amen. Think of it. Can you imagine what would you do if you're sitting in his condition and all of a sudden you're in class and you go blind in the middle of class? Uh, the assault of what would come against the mind. But he's got a faith that holds. What's he doing? He just turns away from what he knows and he keeps mastering his confession. Amen. Know this. Everything you receive from God, the devil's made it his job to steal from you. You better know that. Yes, ma'am. But you know what? When he comes, he will find failure. Come on. That's right. That's right. He will find his fail yes. when he sees your faith that holds. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The day you leave this earth, you want the demons rejoicing. Yeah. Yeah. That you finally got out of their way. Yeah. Amen. You want them harassed and tormented by your faith. Amen. That they got nothing out of you. They got nothing off of you. Praise the Lord. Hebrews chapter three. Go with me. Hebrews chapter three. See, this is the kind of stuff uh, those who are maturing and renewing their mind get thrilled with. Amen. Because you know these things. You know these things. But these things stir us afresh, don't they? Amen. Hebrews chapter 3. Let's start in verse 5. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 5. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. Verse 6. But Christ, as a son over his own house, whose house we are. Look at this. If we hold fast. Now, couldn't we say this? If we hold hard and not let go. If we hold fast the confidence. Look at this. And the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. How do you know if you're holding fast? Are you rejoicing? Because when someone is holding fast, it's coupled with rejoicing. If we're not rejoicing, we're not holding fast no matter what we're saying. 
We might be quoting verses, but if we're not rejoicing in those verses, if we're quoting them from a worried place, if we're quoting them from a troubled or fearful place, we're not holding fast, but we quote them from a rejoicing place. Then Hebrews four, go with me to Hebrews chapter four. Now, remember what that said. If we hold fast the confidence, we're confident of something. And the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. You know what the end is? It's not just the manifestation. It's the, it's the whole of your life. That all of our life, we're someone that we're not just laying hold of stuff. We're upholding. Hebrews chapter four and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Or this word could also be confession. Let us hold fast. Now he's doing something as the high priest. Now we have to do something. And we are to hold fast to our, confess- our confession. I love something that uh, Brother Norval Hayes said. He made this statement. He said, when you go to believe God for something, he said, God turns to the high priest of heaven. Who is Jesus? He's our high priest. He says, he turns to the high priest of heaven and says, how much are they confessing this? Because he's the high priest of our confession. He knows how much we're confessing it. Now, listen to that. He said, God turns to, bro, to, to, the high, to the high priest and says, how much are they confessing this? And he said, once he sees that we have a lifestyle of confessing something, he said, then things come into manifestation. If we confess for a day and then don't think about it for three weeks, he's not the high priest of that. He's the high priest of a lifestyle a profession, a lifestyle, a confession, not just stops and starts. It's the way we live. I said, it's the way we live. It's not just moments we make. Listen, absolutely get hold of your scriptures and daily. You may have a list of things you confess over your life or family. That's great. But once you leave that place of confession, that still has to be in your mouth. It's just, and I'm not talking about continually 24 hours. I'm talking about throughout the day. That's the way you conduct your life. Amen. Amen. Then go with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Hebrews 10 verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God. So he's our high priest, right? Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. What does faith do? It makes you sure, doesn't it? You're certain. I mean, you are certain. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience 
and our bodies washed with pure water. What's that mean? Uh, the blood and the water of the word have cleansed the past. It's gone. That's how come we can be bold before our high priest like that. Verse 23, let us, now that we're in that place before our high priest, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. Look at this, without wavering, without wavering, without wavering. When will things manifest when there's no wavering left? When wavering is no longer a part of our flow. Amen? We're in one flow. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. This is the condition our confession must be in. No wavering. What is that? Mastering our confession. Not having two, having one. That means, husbands, that you can't go home over dinner and talk about how bad it is. Well, I don't believe that. I'm just kind of, you know, I'm venting. Yeah, that's called double-mindedness wives you can't go home at dinner time and try to worry wart your husband with what been worry warting you (laughs) that's a good old country term you're worry warting me you can't pass off your worry to someone else try to spread that worry onto someone else why we got one confession one confession And we're not venting to try to get relief because I guarantee you by letting it out, you're letting it in. The world will tell you, cry, let it out. When you let it out, you let it in. Don't you ever buy into that world system of letting it out. Because when you let it out, you just opened a door for that thing to come in. Well, I'm just getting, you know, I've got to talk to somebody and get the pressure off. When you, when you, when you let it out, you let it in. Just know this, that self-help stuff the world gives is no help to the believer. Revelations, turn with me. Revelations chapter 2 and verse 25. Revelations chapter 2, verse But that which ye already have, hold fast till I come. How long is this process of holding fast? Till he comes. And he hadn't come, so guess what? We're holding fast. Until you see him face to face, your job is hold fast. That's your job. That's not just something we do when we're in an emergency situation. That's the way we live. We are a holding fast people. Now, this phrase has been standing out to me in this verse. But that which ye have already, ye have already, you have already, you have already. And you say, well, what do I have already? What's manifested? No, you don't have just what's manifested. You have what has yet to be manifest. So what you have, it doesn't say what's already manifested, hold fast. What you have, what you have in Christ, what you have in Christ, you already have. Meaning this, every single person here is already fully whole, already fully healed. That's what you have. Whether it's manifested or not is what our profession is going to do. 
but in Christ, you are made whole. In Christ, just like in Christ, aren't you washed by the blood? Yes. In Christ, aren't all your sins gone? Cleansed from them? Right. In Christ, uh, aren't, aren't you, don't you have a full supply for the rest of your life? For the rest of your life, that's what you already have. For the rest of your life, you already have wholeness. For the rest of your life. Why? It's what he bought. What he bought and purchased. So we could say this, that which Jesus already purchased for you, hold fast to that because you already have it. Amen. So that means the mindset is not, I'm, I'm making this confession, trying to get it. No, you're making a profession. I have already been made the healed. I'm holding fast to that. Now that means symptoms that have come to try to steal what I already have. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are not the sick. You're the healed. You're the healed. You're the healed. Sickness, disease, symptoms, and pain come to try to steal what you already have. You understand that? Just because they showed up, they doesn't mean they have it from you. You already have it. You already have it. Don't believe what they say. They are lying symptoms is what Jonah called it. Jonah called it lying vanities. Lying to you to try to get you to think that you're, you're sick and you've got to get something from God. No, this revelation just says, have, hold fast to what you already have. That's why you can hold fast to it. You already have it. If you got the idea of I'm trying to get it, you can't hold fast to what you're trying to get. You already have it. You already have supply for your business. You already have provision and abundance for your house. Can I tell you something? You already have the new house. No, you haven't. No, it's not. No, it's not manifested maybe, but it's already been assigned and given and bought and paid for by your savior. See, the thing is, is that Jesus paid for everything, everything. He paid for your salvation. He paid for your healing. He paid for your home. He paid for your, your business. He paid for everything. There's nothing he left unpaid for. Therefore, you already have it. Now go to the store and claim it. It's like this. You need to, we need to see his provision like this. If we had a big old warehouse like a Costco, mm -hmm. right? And somebody came to your house and said, I bought the whole thing yeah. and I put it in your name. Okay, you can't fit all of Costco in your house. So what do you leave? You leave, you leave what you have at Costco and then when you need it, you go to Costco because it's all yours. You load up your car and you bring it into your home, which is your manifestation. And then you live. But you know what? What you could not fit in your home is still at Costco and still yours. That's what Jesus did. Everything, all your, all the money you need, all the health you need, everything you need is your Costco. It's all yours. It's all yours. 
And as the needs arise in life, you go into your Costco warehouse with your faith and you draw it out and bring it into manifestation. You put it in your current situation. But all the Costco is already yours. You understand that? Does that? Now don't go down to Costco people today. That's an illustration. But that's what salvation is. The purchase of the whole. The purchase of the whole. The purchase of the whole thing for you. And now with your faith, all you do is you go in and you access it. You lay hold of it. You put it in your vehicle and you drive it home. And it comes in a manifestation in your household. Okay. Let's say this. What is in your household represents the manifestation, right? Because that's where you live. Let me ask you this. What's in Costco is still manifested. It just hasn't manifested in your life or in your household, but it's still manifested. That's what the spirit realm is. Everything, everything Jesus paid for is manifested in the spirit realm. It's the Costco. It's, it's, it's not unmanifested. It's just manifested in different locations. And you go and you bring it from the unseen realm to the seen realm with your profession. Twenty twenty, our best year yet. Twenty twenty, our best year yet. Twenty twenty, our best year yet. We're holding fast. Faith rejoices at the privilege of holding fast. Can I tell you? It is a privilege to know what to do. You know, unsaved people don't know what to do. When they're losing their home, they don't know what to do. When they're losing their business, they don't know what to do. When the COVID thing shut down their business, they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. They just do what the media tells them. That's the only wealth they draw from. And boy, that's a poor wealth. <laughs> it's a bankrupt system. But we know what to do. What do we do? We hold fast. And it is a joy. It is a privilege. Hallelujah. 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 Faith. Faith. Can I tell you this? Manifestation only comes after you've done faith right. Amen. So don't think that just because it hasn't come, you're not doing faith right. No, it's a process of doing faith right all along. And the journey is as much a part of the destination as anything else is. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil talk you out of your faith life. It's not just faith moments. What's in your faith life? Holding fast, uh, standing your ground. Fighting the good fight of faith. All of that is part of the faith life. Amen. And it's not only the manifestation that shows strong faith. The standing shows strong faith. The holding fast. The fighting the good fight of faith. All of this shows strong faith. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. So go home and make a list. What's been diminishing? No more. 
I'm going to, I'm going to prop that up with my faith. I'm going to get my faith right under that and hold that up. Amen. Amen. Well, you might say, well, my business has gone down financially since the COVID thing. Well, it's not money that props up your business. It's faith. Amen. Get your faith back under it then. And two, under this, too many times people will see this, that these times show what your faith has been resting on. Some of some people, it shows that their faith has been resting on their customers. Yeah. And then when their customers are gone, they, they get shaken. That's because that revealed what your faith was resting on. I was telling somebody last night, I said, I'm so grateful for the year 2015. In 2014, of course, that was the year I, after Ed died. And I traveled heavily because God said, I want you to go fortify all the people that, are, that your husband spoke into. Fortify those ministries. Let them know that the anointing is still moving. That nothing's been lost to them. To them. That they, they need what God has brought through this ministry for them. So in, 20, in 2014, I traveled heavily. And visited all the places that Ed spoke into to show them that the supply for them is still unchanged. Yeah. Not because of me, but because of God. Yeah. And then in 2015, he said, I don't want you to travel very much. What was he doing? He says, now I'm showing you that this traveling ministry is not funded by you traveling. It's funded by me. And I tell you, 2015 was a real faith of exercise. It took faith for me not to book meetings. because Now, I'm not talking about the church. I'm talking about Dufresne Ministries. Dufresne Ministries is a traveling ministry. So through the offerings, that blesses the ministry. Through the sale of books and tapes that happen, that's how you fund that department. But God wanted me to see that it's not my traveling that funds the traveling ministry. It is obedience to his plan and faith in his plan that funds that. And so I saw, I only went like once or twice a month. I was gone a lot in 2014. I was only home like five days out of the month in 2014. But in 2015, I was only gone five days a month. And God said, I wanted to show you. And God took a whole year to show me that it's not by my traveling or by the ministry that funds the ministry. God funds the ministry. And I'm so glad. So since then, I've never felt that I've got to set up a certain amount. I'll have, you know, different preachers will say, well, I have to set up a certain number of meetings a month. Not me. Not me. Because it's not meetings that fund this thing. It's obedience to God that funds it. And I'm so glad that in 2020, because you know what? I'm not traveling and I'm not worried because I saw it work in 2015. You see, 2015 showed me don't rest on the wrong thing. And 2020 shows I'm not resting on the wrong thing. And I tell you what, our, our finances have stayed the same in the church and in the traveling ministry. You say how? I don't know. I don't have to know how. But I'm just saying this. This year is showing you what are you resting on? What are you resting on? What are you holding fast to? Amen? The word works for everyone. The word works for everyone. Work it. 
a lifestyle of holding fast is your privilege. It's not a hardship. It's a privilege. It's a privilege. Thank you, Father, for that privilege, right? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you this morning. We're so, so grateful. So grateful for the truth of your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. It is a joy. We believe your word. We hold fast to your word. We thank you for your word. It is our joy. It is our delight to hold to what you say. Father, that which we have allowed to let slip, forgive us. We get our faith back on it. We hold fast, not just to that which we need, but to that which has already manifested. We say we uphold it with our faith that nothing of our life, nothing in our life is lost. Nothing lost in Jesus name. And everybody said, Amen. amen. Are you blessed this morning? We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.